0: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of METCAST, the podcast of Manchester Metropolitan University. In our latest series of episodes, we're looking at all things Winter Olympics. Here, we speak to Dr. Martin Turner, sports psychologist from Manchester Metropolitan University Institute of Sport, about how athletes mentally prepare for the Games, why they might not be as scared as you or me speeding down a hill, and how mental visualisation can help land the perfect routine or recover from a fall. Let's get started. First of all, Martin, could you tell us what the major differences winter Olympians would face versus summer Olympians in terms of their psychological preparation and during competition?
1: Well, I think no matter what sport you participate in or compete in, there's going to be differences with other sports. So whether it's from summer to winter or whether it's differences between some of the winter sports, your your psychological preparation is going to be very specific for that particular sport. But even if you take people who would compete across a range of events in you know across the same sport like a triathlete um, or heptathlete their approach to each of those events might be a bit different to each other so it's quite specific so there are factors that could could mean that a winter sport athlete might prepare slightly differently things like the conditions uh, the environment things like that but there would be things that they should be used to at this point if they're traveling to an olympics then you would assume that they will they will have faced similar environments, maybe not similar scale of the event in terms of spectators, in terms of media and importance. But you would hope or you would expect that they would have faced similar environmental conditions. So they should be quite attuned to that at this point, I would say. If somebody was to make a transition from the Summer Olympics to the Winter Olympics, then that might be much trickier, which obviously will be very unlikely but that would be a, a lot trickier. But at this level, at, you know, at this particular event, you would think that the the environment and the conditions are something the athletes are quite used to. Of course, you, you can always get these freak environmental conditions that can be quite severe, and that can obviously influence some performances, obviously, particularly the ones that are done um, outdoors. Um, but again, it's, it's how do you prepare for the unknown? Mm-hmm. And it's very difficult to do that. What you have to do is understand that unknown things will happen, that sport is very unpredictable and uncontrollable, and even though you can obviously have an influence and have some control over the processes that you execute in order to fulfill your potential, to to, um, execute your skills accurately, you obviously cannot dictate the result, you cannot dictate the outcome, and the outcome could be influenced by environmental factors. It might be that In that particular hour that you're competing, the weather is much worse than a previous hour, and that might influence something. There's there's a very little point in in focusing on that as part of preparation. Aside from recognising that those things can happen, you might need to adjust in your performance. So when we're helping people to prepare, helping athletes to prepare, particularly elite athletes, it's having them recognise that there are things that are uncontrollable to them. Not spend too much time thinking about those things but be prepared to make adjust, um, adjustments if they need to but on the flip side make sure that the things that you can fully control you can fully influence to make sure you maximize that make sure you've done everything you can to make the most of those processes that you can control and i think that, that that's general across the board because obviously many sports are performed in environments that are uncontrollable,
0: in, particularly in the case of the Winter Olympics, although that's not to say not in the not not in the Summer Olympics, but <laughs> Summer, Summer Olympics does tend to benefit from fairer weather. Uh, in the Winter Olympics, as you say, the weather can change change from a snowboarder's first run to the second run, um, and that can have massive massive kind of advantages or disadvantages. Even even
1: in the Summer Olympics, the environment it can be hotter today than it was yesterday
0: yes very you know? true very true
1: yeah so, yeah so no matter what sport you compete in you always have environmental conditions uh, to factor in i mean even indoor sports things can change from one day to the next even inside the venue though everybody tries to make it consistent things change and athletes have to come to terms with and and figure out how to cope with the fact that things won't be the same from one day to the next and in the winter olympics might not be the
0: same from one hour to the next definitely so there's there's a kind of shared approach there from from these winter olympians and these summer olympians in terms of getting to their peak performance regardless of environments both kind of environments the, the weather, the climate environment and obviously their physical environment in terms of the pressure of, of the event. I think I think one of the challenges,
1: if we take UK athletes uh, as an example, one of the challenges can be that there's a tendency to perfect the training environment and the practice environment but the issue with the winter olympics is how do you train for something that you you don't experience every day and you know a lot of uh, successful winter olympians would train elsewhere this country is not going to provide them with the conditions that they would be competing in so part of preparing for these kind of inclement environmental conditions this unpredictability is to actually train in those conditions so not only you psychologically preparing for that to happen you're kind of physically preparing by being in that environment you're not just taking your mind to a place that says well if it's bad today if it's extra windy if it you know you're actually experiencing those conditions so that when you experience those in the Olympic games you feel like you've acclimatized to it a little bit better because we can have loads of conversations about what if what if what if but if they've actually experienced those types of conditions and circumstances then they're a lot better able to to cope with them when they occur at the Olympics
0: yes yes and and one of the routine problems of Britain when it comes to winter olympics as you say is is that we don't necessarily naturally have the right uh, environment, you know, akin to 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 the Alps in in say France or or, or Austria. Uh, obviously, yeah, our, our athletes can go abroad to these these environments. But again, that that comes down to a a cost and a priority of the uh, the British Olympic Committee. A different yeah. a different topic, a different discussion for a different day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, picking up on some of the specific events at the the Winter Olympics, what kind of does stick out to me uh, as a fairly kind of um, a basic understanding of winter sports personally is when I do see the the skiers and the snowboarders of which there are a range of events, not necessarily just uh, slalom which is the quickest top to bottom, is the speed with which they are descending down a mountain <laughs> um, mm. now I'm sure there's many of us out there that uh, know of a friend who's been on a skiing holiday or a snowboard holiday and has had an unfortunate accident and maybe broken a wrist or something like that so it can be dangerous. what I want to ask you martin is. How does someone prepare, or, or master, or ignore the physical danger that is prominent when you're hurtling down a mountain at whatever speeds? How do you how do you mentally prepare for that and stay stay in the zone? I think partly because our perception of speed
1: is going to be a lot different to those athletes now we might view it as, as you know it's lightning quick and it's ridiculous and super super dangerous but for them this is something they've done quite often a large proportion of their lives so you know they don't obviously they don't start going that quickly and they don't start that proficiently they will build up build up build up so their perception of speed would be a lot different to, to you or i's perception of speed what might feel very quick and dangerous to us might be pretty normal to them so that's not to say that the speeds they're able to um, to generate and the things they're facing in the olympics aren't above the norm they might be but what they would aim to do in training in practice and in the tournaments and competitions leading up to the olympics they would aim to experience those kinds of speeds and experience those kinds of conditions so it really comes back to that that um, kind of inoculation idea and in that can i in my practice and training emulate what i might experience in the olympics now, in, in, in some sports, it's almost impossible to completely emulate what you might experience at a major tournament, say something like um, ice hockey. Because it's interactive, it's not possible for me to completely train for and rehearse for exactly what will happen in a game. But if you take something like like slalom, then it is possible for me to, to practice exactly what I'm going to do. And even though the conditions on the day might be a little bit different... And even though i might aim to maybe do better than i've ever done before i might try and break a personal best or a world record i still understand what the course is there's nobody in the way trying to stop me from from coming down there's no barriers and interactive features in the environment it's the course is the course and i can practice that course and mentally rehearse that course so at this level with the level of experience that these athletes would be coming in with their perception of things like speed and danger would, would be very different to your eyes. It's, you know, it's a bit different for them. Yes.
0: Yeah, so so the, the confident comes from the mastery, if you will, the, the mental rehearsal, so the visualization, correct me, yeah. if I'm, I'm wrong in my very lay understanding of this, but that is the technique by which someone would practice or prepare a routine or action, not physically, but by running through it in their mind. That's right. Yeah. So so
1: what's most effective when using imagery is actually if you have a combination of, you know, physical practice. So take for example ice skating routine. That is something you can physically and mentally rehearse from start to finish, all the way through, and it's not gonna take you all day to do it. You know, it's got a finite amount of time that you have to sit down and you can visualize the timings against the music because, you know, everything's timed to music. So you can do that. You can visualize that and you can visualize and mentally rehearse individual components of that routine, for example, as well as you can physically rehearse and practice them. So one of the benefits of of mental rehearsal is obviously there's only so many times you can physically execute a routine before the body starts breaking down and you risk injury, you get exhausted and tired. However, even though the same can be true for the mind, you would exhaust the mind, obviously you have capacity there to be able to visualize and foresee you executing that routine as well as you possibly can. And and there's lots of ways that we can use mental rehearsal. People call it lots of things, imagery, visualization, uh, mental rehearsal, but essentially you are trying to utilize that skill in lots of different ways so one way might be to visualize that routine going perfectly you do everything that you're supposed to do you don't visualize you don't visualize yourself kind of watching yourself perform like you're on tv you visualize yourself through the through the body through your own eyes so to speak feeling the movements trying to recreate the sounds the smells the touch as well as the sight that you will experience in actual performance you know visualizing the crowd that might be there thinking about the noise they might make when you execute things so that's what that's one way to do it it's the perfect performance another way to do it is okay what happens if things don't go to plan what happens if there's a fall or if there's a stumble how, how can i visualize myself coming back from that and that's tricky because it you're asking the athlete to entertain the idea that things won't go perfectly but if you don't do that and there is a stumble and a fall, then you risk not having a good mental plan that gets you back on your feet, that gets you back in the routine. You know, there's, there's various ways that people use visualization, but from my experience, those two have been the most prominent. Here's me doing the routine as perfectly as possible in a very realistic manner, imagining everything I possibly can about that, that interactive, complicated, uncontrollable environment. The other way being, okay, well, what happens if, If this occurs or that occurs or this doesn't go to plan how do i visualize myself coping with those particular issues or or problems people tend to you know people can use visualization for, for that rehearsal for that practice but also to think do things like control arousal control their anxiety they can visualize being you know in a calm relaxing place in the opposite direction if they need to get pumped up for a performance they can visualize the complete opposite so you can be creative about the things that you visualise to get yourself into a certain psychological and physiological state for performance. You you get to to control that to an extent. So people can use visualisation in that way as well. And this is something that you wouldn't just save for the Olympics. This is something you'd been rehearsing, practicing, in training, doing at the the, the competitions in the run up to the Olympics. This isn't just something I pull out when it, when it's really important. It's the same as any physical skill. You'll practice this stuff for a long period of time. So when you go to the Olympics, it's really refined. And what you're doing is executing a routine, a, a psychological routine, rather than something that's new and fresh for that particular competition.
0: That's all for now. If you'd like to find out more about Manchester Metropolitan University Institute of Sport, log on to mmu.ac.uk forward slash institute hyphen of hyphen sport your feedback on the podcast is always welcome as are much needed review ratings and itunes so if you have a moment please head there to let us know what you think you can subscribe to the podcast on your preferred podcast platform until next time goodbye